Our topic for tonight, Modern Magic, Miracles and the Occult. On May 13, 1917, three children, Francisco Marto, age nine, his sister, Jacinta Marto, age seven, and a friend of theirs, Lucia Santos, age 10, were tending sheep near the Portuguese village of Fatima at the place called the Cova de Aira. Suddenly they saw a flash of lightning, and a moment later a beautiful shining woman appeared above a nearby oak tree. Do not be afraid of me, said the shining lady. I won't hurt you. I am from heaven. Lucia asked the shining woman what she wanted. The woman replied, I want you to return to the same spot on the 13th day of the month for the next six months. And then I will tell you who I am and what I want. The lady also asked the children if they would be willing to offer themselves to God to endure all the sufferings that he might wish to bring upon them in reparation for the countless sins by which he was offended and in supplication for the conversion of sinners. Now, by the way, to make reparations for means to make payment for. Who paid the penalty for sin? Jesus did, but the shining woman at Fatima is asking the children to pay, or at least partially pay, for sin. Lucia said they would be willing. Then said the shining lady, you will have much to suffer, but the grace of God will be your comfort. The children then saw rays of light beaming out of the lady's open hands. The shining woman concluded her visit by admonishing the children to say the rosary every day to earn world peace and the end of the war, World War I. And with that, she disappeared. When the children reported what they had seen to their parents, their parents and neighbors scoffed at the story. But they did allow the children to return the next month, July 13, out to the same spot, the Cova de Ira, and a few curious adults went with them. About 15 minutes after they had arrived out there, suddenly Lucia pointed to the sky. She said, look, there comes the lady. And sure enough, as the adults watched, the boughs of that oak tree bent down, although no human hands were touching them. And at the conclusion of the encounter, the adults were convinced that the children had been conversing with none other than the Virgin Mary. And they spread the word far and near. Word spread very rapidly throughout that area of Portugal. So the next month, remember every month, first May 13, then June 13, now July 13, 5,000 people went out to the COVID era to see the shining lady. This time, the shining woman shared a secret with the children and gave them strict instructions they were not to tell the secret to anyone. The secret of Fatima. By the way, if you'd like to know what the secret of Fatima is, you buy that CD, this Revelation 7 Last Kings. You'll find out about the secret of Fatima. She also promised that on October 13 of that year, she would work a miracle whereby all might see and believe. Before we look at the miracle that happened at Fatima, Portugal, back in October 13, 1917, let's first establish a biblical foundation from which to view this topic of modern magic. We are today seeing an overwhelming flood of supernatural events. Miracles, miraculous healings, visions, apparitions of Mary and other saints. And the question is, what does it all mean? And where is it all coming from? Could it be that the devil is masquerading himself in some of these apparitions, in some of these visions, in some of these miracles? Let's answer some questions tonight. Are all miracles from God or can the devil also work miracles? Devil can also work miracles. Is all healing from God or can the devil also heal? Devil can also heal. When you study the Bible, you discover that there are two great supernatural forces at work in the world, and both are miracle-working. God works miracles, but the devil can also work miracles. 
God heals people, but the devil can also heal people. God gives visions, but the devil can also give visions. He gave one to Jesus, remember? Took him up on the mountaintop, Matthew 4. Gave him a vision of all the kingdoms of the earth with their glory. So the devil can give visions. And the question for us tonight is, which of these two forces, God's power, devil's power, is behind the flood of supernatural events and phenomena that we're seeing in our world today? We're going to answer that in our study. Another question we're going to answer is, how can we know whether a miracle is from God or the devil? We're going to study that in our topic. But let's begin with this question. Are there counterfeit gifts of the Spirit? Oh, yes. Let me give you a text. If you're taking notes, mark this. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 says, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you. Prophets, teachers. Those were gifts given to the church. But here we have false prophets and false teachers, counterfeit gifts. Apparently, the devil has a counterfeit for every one of the true gifts of the Spirit. There are false prophets. There are false teachers. There are false healings. There are false miracles. There are false tongues. Oh, yes, we talked about the gift of tongues the other day. If you missed that, you can ask for the handout on the gift of tongues. There's a huge counterfeit on that one. But the question for us tonight, do these counterfeits, do they look false? No. Suppose, for example, I were to develop a counterfeit $100 bill. To make my counterfeit effective, I would have to make it look like what? Look like the genuine. And the closer I could make my counterfeit look like the genuine, the more effective I could be at deceiving people. Now mark this, the devil is a master counterfeiter. He has had 6,000 years to practice. And it is impossible, if we're just using our human senses of sight, sound, so forth, it's impossible to tell whether the miracle's from God or the devil, whether the vision's from God or the devil, whether the healing is from God or the devil. If you're just using your human senses, you can't tell. So closely will the counterfeit resemble the genuine, the only way we will know is by... By what? By the Word of God, we must test everything by this book. In fact, Jesus warns us to beware of counterfeits. Let's go read that warning from Matthew 7, verse 15. And when you get to Matthew 7, put a marker here. We will return to Matthew 7 later this evening. Put your ticket book. I don't know, there may not be any tickets left in that ticket book, huh? <laughs> or a quiz envelope or something here in Matthew 7. Matthew 7, verse 15. Jesus says, beware of what? Of false prophets, which come to you how? In sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are what? Ravening wolves. Now, in the New Testament, a sheep represents what? Represents a follower of, a follower of Christ. Christ is the shepherd. The sheep are, represent his followers. So here we have wolves in sheep's clothing. In other words, these... Folks, they profess to be Christians. They look like Christians, at least on the outside. They are inside the fold. They're inside the church. But inside of these sheep is what spirit? The spirit of the wolf. Now, of course, that guy in the photograph, he didn't hide himself too well. These wolves in sheep's clothes are going to look all... You won't be able to tell just looking at them. And I personally believe that many of these people, they actually think that they are spirit-filled. They have the Holy Spirit. They think. They don't realize that it's an unholy spirit. Many of them don't understand the spirit that actuates them. They are inside the church, inside the fold. They think they're followers of Christ. 
Why will these false prophets deceive so many? Let's go to Matthew, leave a marker in Matthew 7. We're going to return and go to Matthew 24. We'll read verse 24. Matthew 24, 24. That's easy. Matthew 24, 24. Jesus says, Matthew 24, 24, For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show what? Great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive who? The very elect. Great signs, wonders, miracles, apparently. Many people think if it's a miracle, it must be from God. No, not every miracle comes from God. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, how can we know? How can we know whether the miracle's from God or the devil? Let me give you a test. Of course, we have to use the Bible as our test. But let me give you a Bible test tonight. Come with me to Isaiah 8, verse 20. Isaiah is toward the middle of the Bible. Isaiah 8... And we're going to read verse 20. This is one of the greatest tests that you can use for a preacher, for a faith healer, for a visionary, for somebody that claims to have a gift of the Spirit, for a church, for a doctrine, for anything spiritually. Here's a test. Isaiah 8 verse 20 says, To the law and to the testimony. There's the law and the prophets, the two witnesses. If they speak not according to this word, it is what? It's because there is... No light in them. So here we have a test, two tests. To the law, one test, and the testimony, that's the rest of Scripture, if they speak not according to this word, then there is no light in them. So if there's no light in them, then what is within them? The spirit of what? The spirit of the wolf. The spirit of the, the, the devourer. So here we have these two tests. Let's look at these two tests. The first one we're going to look at is the testimony of Scripture. We can test every faith healer, every visionary, every person that claims to have a gift of the Spirit. We test them by the Scriptures. Well, that's a pretty broad test, wouldn't you say? I mean, there are many teachings, many doctrines within this book that we could use to test people with. Let me just give you one example of a Bible doctrine that we can use as a test. And that is the state of man in death. What did the visionaries, what did the faith healers, what are those who claim to have a gift of the Spirit, what do they teach about the state of man in death? Do they believe that we can communicate with the dead? Do they believe that the dead live on in some form after death? What does the Bible teach about the state of man in death? Well, if you've been coming to our lectures, you know the answer. But let's just review this evening. We found out the Bible teaches the dead are asleep. Let me give you some text. Now, we've studied all this, so... These texts will be familiar, but if you miss this, you might want to mark down some of these. Psalms 13, verse 3 says, Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Enlighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of? Sleep of death. Death is referred to as a sleep. Another text. This is from Job 14, 12. So man lieth down and riseth not till the heavens be no more. That's when Christ comes back. They shall not awake nor be raised out of their, out of their sleep. Death is referred to as a sleep. John 11, 11 and 14, Jesus said, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth. And then he said, Lazarus is, is dead. So Christ considers death to be like a, like a sleep. At least 53 texts in the Bible tell us that death is like a sleep. So first of all, we discovered the dead, death is like a sleep. We also have learned that the Bible teaches the dead are where? In the grave. Here's a text. This is a new one. We didn't look at this when we talked about death earlier. So you can mark this one down. Job 21, 32 says, Yet shall he be brought to the where? 
to the grave and shall remain in the tomb. Referring to somebody who dies. Another text, this is from Jesus. John 5, 28 and 9, Jesus says, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming, hasn't come yet, the hour is coming in the which all that are, are where? In the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. Come forth from where? From the graves, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. If you die, you want to come up in that resurrection of life. So you notice that our hope after death is supposed to be the resurrection. When Christ returns, Jesus says, All that are in the graves shall hear his voice and come forth. So according to Jesus, where are the dead? They are in the graves. All right? Let me back up and mention something else. The righteous come forth from the graves when? When Christ comes back. That's the first resurrection. That's the one, if you die, you want to come up in that first resurrection, the resurrection of life. We also have discovered, the Bible teaches, that the dead know not anything. Where was that text? <laughs> Ecclesiastes 9.5. Let's read it all together. For the living know that they shall die, but the dead know not anything. But let's read the next verse also. Verse 6, Ecclesiastes 9 verse 6 says, Also their love and their hatred and their envy is now perished, neither have they any more portion forever in anything that is done under the sun. Now obviously if they were up in heaven in some form, they wouldn't know what's happening down here under the sun. They would have love, they would have emotions. The Bible says no, they don't have any of that. And then verse 10, Ecclesiastes 9, verse 10 says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might, for there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. So when we die, where do we go? Into the grave. And how much do we know when we're in the grave? The Bible says, The living know they shall die. The dead know not anything. Another text, Job 14, 21. His son, this is speaking of someone who dies. His sons come to honor, and he knoweth it not. And they are brought low, but he perceiveth it not of them. Now, obviously, if he was up in heaven in soul form or some form, he would know when his family were honored or dishonored. The Bible says no. He doesn't know that. The dead don't know anything. Another text, Psalms 146, verse 4, His breath goes forth, he returneth to his earth. And that very day, his thoughts what? His thoughts perish. We found out the dead know not anything, Ecclesiastes 9, 5. The dead praise not the Lord. Psalms 115, 17, Isaiah 38, 18, and 19. If they were up in heaven, they would certainly be praising the Lord. The Bible says no. The dead do not remember God, Psalm 6, verse 5, and their thoughts perish, Psalms 146, verse 4. We also have learned that the Bible teaches the dead do not return to their homes. Here's the text, Job 7, verses 9 and 10, As the cloud is consumed and vanishes away, so he that goeth down to the grave shall come up no more. He shall return no more to his house, neither shall his place know him any more. So do the spirits of the dead come back and visit the living? Well, they're not really the dead that's coming to visit. We might have visitors, but they're not the spirits of the dead that are visiting. Another text, Job 16, 22 says, When a few years are come, then I shall go the way whence I shall not return. So when somebody dies, they're not going to come back and visit their loved ones, visit the living. That's what the Bible teaches. 
We've learned the Bible teaches the dead are, number one, the dead are asleep. Number two, the dead are in the grave. Number three, the dead know not anything. And number four, the dead do not return to their homes. Now, based on that, let me ask you this question. How many of the wicked dead are burning in hell right now? Great big zero. Nobody is burning in hell at this moment. Jesus tells us in Matthew 13, 37 to 50, that hellfire does not burn until the end of the world. After the resurrection of damnation. So no one is burning in hell at this moment, according to Jesus. Matthew 13, 37 to 50. So we're going to add that as number five. Hellfire is not burning now. Based on that, let me ask you this question. Who is giving then the visions of hell? God or the devil? Obviously the devil. You've heard about the visions of hell, right? There have been people that have written books, best-selling books, describing in graphic detail the visions that they claimed they had. They went down to the lower regions and saw the torture of the lost. And then they come back from their vision, they write this book. Boy, I don't know how much they make on those books, but you know one thing. That being that claimed to be Jesus that gave them the vision of hell, that was not Jesus at all. That was a demon or the devil himself masquerading as Jesus because Jesus tells us no one's burning in hell now. Hellfire does not burn until the end of the world. So we know that those visions of hell are not being given by God. Those visions of hell are being given by the devil. So number one, the Bible teaches the dead are asleep. Number two, the dead are in the grave. Number three, the dead know not anything. Number four, the dead do not return to their homes. And number five, Hellfire is not burning now. We're going to find out later this evening why we have reestablished these Bible teachings, these Bible truths. So that's one test. We can test them by the testimony of Scripture. And I just give you one example of a Bible doctrine that we can use as a test. We could use many others. I just give you one example. So we test them by the Bible, the Word. There's another test. To the law. We'll add that as our second test. The Ten Commandments. What do the visionaries, what do the faith eaters, what do they teach about the Ten Commandments? Do they teach people to keep the Ten Commandments? Virtually every church in town thinks you ought to keep nine of them. But how many are there? Let me ask you a dumb question. How many commandments are there in the Ten Commandments? <laughs> there are Ten Commandments in the Ten Commandments. And God wants us to keep nine of them, right? All ten of them. Jesus says, if you love me, do what? Keep my commandments. James 2 verse 10 says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of how much? He's guilty of all. The devil doesn't care which commandment you break as long as you break at least one. And we understand that much of the Christian world has decided it's okay to break that one. You know which one. <laughs> Let me ask you this. What part does obedience have in being saved by grace through faith in Christ? Here's the answer. Obedience is the result, the fruit of salvation by grace through faith in Christ. If there is no fruit, then what? Faith without works is what? The Bible says faith without works is dead. If there's no fruit, if there's no obedience in the life, then there, is the person experiencing salvation then? Makes you wonder. Jesus says, by their fruits you shall know them. So faith without works, if there's no demonstration of the salvation by grace through faith in Christ, in good, in good works, in a life, Christian life, Christian living, then you might wonder, is the person really saved by grace? We're not, we don't earn salvation. That's the fruit, the result 
of salvation by grace. So we test those preachers by the word and by the law. We test the visionaries, the faith healers by the law. Do people, do these visionaries, do these faith healers teach people to keep the Ten Commandments? Mark this. Any person, preacher, visionary, faith healer, whatever, who is living in willful disobedience to God's law, the Ten Commandments, is not using God's power. They're using some other power. Let me say that again. Any person, any, anyone, faith healer, visionary, someone who claims to have a gift of the Spirit, that is living in willful disobedience to God's law, the Ten Commandments, they are not using God's power. They are using another power. Let me give you a text to prove that. This is from Acts 5, 32, where the Bible says, We are His witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to who? To those that obey Him. Is the Holy Spirit given to those that are disobeying God? Well, not in its fullness. It might be given to them to call them to repentance. But they're not going to be Spirit-filled Christians if they're breaking the Ten Commandments. That's obvious. We must test them by God's law, the Ten Commandments. Have you noticed how God continually brings us back to His law as a test? From the very beginning of the devil's rebellion against God in heaven, the great issue in the great controversy has been God's law. The devil hates God's law. And I, unfortunately, there are people today, even Christians, professed Christians, that also hate God's law. I've seen that, especially when you talk about the fourth commandment. So we have these two tests. The testimony of Scripture... And the Ten Commandments to the law, Ten Commandments, and the testimony, rest of Scripture, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. That's a good test. Well, with that background, let's answer this question. Can the devil work miracles? Yes, but let me give you a text to prove that. Come with me to Revelation 16, 13, and 14. If you were here on Sabbath, you may remember we talked about this. I promised you I would come back tonight to this particular passage. Revelation 16, 13, and 14. John says, I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. The spirits of devils doing what? Miracles. Working miracles. So can the devil work miracles? Oh, yes. But we notice here we have these three unclean spirits that are like frogs. Why does God say that these three unclean spirits are like frogs? Well, to answer that, we need to answer the question, what's a frog like? Since these three unclean spirits are like frogs, what's a frog like? Well, question, how does a frog catch his prey? With his tongue. I couldn't catch much of anything with my tongue. but <laughs> Frogs catch their prey with their tongues. Notice the picture. We are seeing today multitudes being captured by tongues. The world, including the Christian world, is being taken captive by tongues. And here's what's amazing. Tongues are now manifest in most of the commandment-breaking churches. That ought to be a, a testimony to us, where it's coming from. But when you think about frogs, yes, that's how they catch their prey with their tongues. But what else do you think about when you think about a frog? How does a frog get around? 
He hops around. Have you ever been to some of these churches? You go inside and the people are jumping up and down. They're hopping up and down just like the frogs. And they're speaking in all these unintelligible noises. And I'll tell you, God knew what he was, was saying when he said it's going to be like frogs. You go into some of these churches, and that's, what it's, that's what it looks like. The churches are being taken over by the frogs. And the Bible tells us they come out of the mouth. That's where those tongues come from, the mouth. Now, by the way, I'm not against the gift of tongues. There is a true gift. But much of what's happening in the Christian world today is not the true gift at all. It's a false gift. But the Bible says they come out of the mouth of the dragon. Who's the dragon? That's the devil. That's paganism. There is a tongues-speaking, miracle-working movement today in the pagan religions of the world. I don't know if you're aware of that. Hindus are speaking in tongues, working miracles. That's a fact. But they also come out of the mouth of the, dra- of the beast. The beast, Revelation 13, the beast that has the mark. What's that? That's the Roman church. Not against Roman Catholics. We're talking about the church, the system. There is a tongues-speaking, miracle-working movement today in the Roman Catholic church. The Catholic charismatic movement is exploding today. But these unclean spirits also come out of the mouth of the false prophet. What's that? That's apostate Protestantism with all of its false prophecies. Most Protestants today are looking for this future Antichrist to come, the rebuilt Jewish temple, seeker rapture, all kind of other false prophecies. There is a tongues-speaking, miracle-working movement today in the Protestant churches of the world. Now, I say something is wrong when you have pagans and Catholics and Protestants all working the same miracles, speaking the same tongues. There is some master spirit that's stirring through all these religions, but it's not the Holy Spirit. There's another spirit at work, and the Bible says the spirit, they are the spirits of devils doing what? Working miracles. Are those real miracles? Oh, yes. Those are genuine miracles. The devil is a supernatural being. He can actually work miracles. The devil can make people sick. Who made Job sick? Go read it. Job chapter 2, verse 7. Was that just a make-believe sickness? That was a real sickness. He was really sick. Now, I should mention, Job is sort of an exception. Typically, God protects his people. But when a person is not fully surrendered to God in every area of their life, or maybe if they're deceived doctrinally, the devil is able to get into some of those lives, and perhaps he can make people sick. And then they go to the faith healer, and he puts his hand on them, and they fall over, and and they get healed. And people say, oh, this is the power of God. I say, well, maybe, maybe not. I want to test the character and the teachings and the beliefs of the faith healer to see if it lines up with the Bible. And if it doesn't line up with the Bible, I know he's not using God's power. Let me give you an example. I was doing a seminar one time, another state, and I had a lady coming to the meeting. She was attending a church where they spoke in tongues and worked miracles and many of these other supernatural things. But she was coming to our meetings, and I had the privilege of visiting this lady, and she told me an interesting story. She had had breast cancer. She said she had a large, open, ulcerous cancer on her breasts, and she'd gone through the typical treatments, and they'd tried chemotherapy and radiation and so forth. Nothing worked, so finally they just sent her home. And she said one day she was laying in her bathtub, soaking in her bathtub, and she just felt impressed that she ought to claim healing on this cancer. So she said she put her hand on the cancer on her breast and she began to pray that God would heal her and then she said I I commanded that cancer in the name of Jesus to depart from my body and she said I felt a tingling in my breast I looked down she said 
that cancer, that open cancerous sore began to shrivel. It began to dry. It shriveled up into a large scab. And she said it got kind of loose, and so I pulled on it. She said it came right off, and it had two roots. came right out. She said they looked like the two, two fangs of a serpent. And she was healed of breast cancer. You could not deny the fact that she had been healed. It was proven medically. No more breast cancer. But that lady, she wouldn't keep the Sabbath. She wouldn't follow the truths that she had learned in the seminar, that she, our seminars that we were presenting it. So I knew right away what power was at work in that woman's life. That woman, mark this, that woman was confirmed in a commandment-breaking church by a miracle. You suppose if the devil can work a miracle to keep somebody in a commandment-breaking church, you think he'll do it? Oh, yes. We have to test the doctrines, the teachings by this book, and if it doesn't line up with this book, we know it's not the power of God. The devil can work, work miracles. The devil can heal people, and it's happening today. What are some of the miracles that the devil is going to work at end time? Let's go to Revelation 13 for one example. Revelation 13, 13, and 14. Here's one of the things that's going to happen at end time. Revelation 13, 13 and 14. The Bible says, And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those what? Of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast, which had the wound by a sword and did live. How is the world going to be deceived at end time? By the means of what? By the means of those miracles that are going to be wrought. Now don't misunderstand me, God works miracles. No question. I've seen God work miracles. But apparently at end time, most of the miracles are going to be wrought by whose power? By the devil's power, and that's what's going to deceive the world. And one of those miracles is bringing fire down from God out of heaven. Let me ask you, where else in the New Testament do you read about fire coming down from God out of heaven? Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, you have the fire from God out of heaven, a symbol of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2, you have the genuine Holy Spirit. In Revelation 13, you have the counterfeit spirit or the counterfeit fire. And as you look around the world today, you recognize that in the Christian community, we are seeing a religious awakening. There is no question a spirit that's being poured out. There is a religious revival that's taking place. There are miracles that are happening. People are working miracles. They're speaking in tongues. You cannot deny the supernatural power that's present. But what's interesting to me, the spirit that's being poured out today on all these churches, most of these churches, is not teaching people to obey God and keep the Ten Commandments, including the Sabbath. It's not teaching people to take care of their body, temple, their health. So, either God does, no longer cares what day we keep, and what we eat or drink, or this is a huge outpouring of a counterfeit spirit. You decide which it is. How close will the counterfeit look to the genuine? So close you can't tell by using your human senses. And today we are witnessing all around the Christian community this religious awakening. Miracles are taking place. People are being healed in all sorts of supernatural phenomena happening in churches today. But it's amazing to me that the, the spirit that's being poured out is being poured out on the commandment-breaking churches. 
Now, I promised you I was going to show you a video clip of what's happening in some churches. You're going to recognize this guy when you see him. That is counterfeit fire. How do we know? We test the teachings, the beliefs of the faith healer. Benny Hen is not teaching people to keep the Sabbath. I doubt that he keeps it himself. And notice this, this is from Benny Hen himself. I got this. This is Benny Hen's move into necromancy, talking with the dead. Benny Hen said, quote, When I was a little boy, I saw the Lord in this dream. It really was so real. It really was a vision because when he appeared to me, my body became electric, just like electricity went through me. And when I awoke, that electricity was still on my body. And by the way, those who are involved with the occult, those that are are mediums, they will tell you that when when the spirit comes into them, when the demon comes into them, they'll feel this electrical presence that comes into their body. It's the same same scenario, same feeling. But reading on, Benny Hinn says, these are his words himself. Quote, well, anyway, in this one, in this vision that I saw, Miss Coleman, by the way, Miss Coleman is a deceased faith healer and spiritist. So in this vision that he had, Miss Coleman said, follow me. That's all she said. And I followed her. End of quote. Who is Benny Hinn following? The spirit of someone who is dead. Now, the dead know how much? The dead don't know anything. So who is he following? <laughs> and how many people are following Benny Hinn? Well, he has a very large following. The Bible tells us to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. When I read my Bible, when people fall on the ground and writhe on the ground, beating the ground, that's not spirit, Holy Spirit possession. That's demon possession. And that's happening today, unfortunately. The Bible says, And deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by what? By those miracles. Let me ask you, which test should we use? Shall we test them by their miracles or shall we test them by the Bible? We must test them by the Bible. Mark this. Many Christians today have turned away from the Bible as the ultimate test And they're using tongues, they're using miracles, they're using all sorts of healings as a test of truth. And they say, well, we know that the Spirit is upon us because these healings are taking place. We have the the Spirit. We can prove it. And yes, they can prove it. But not by the Bible. They prove it by the miracles. Well, let me ask you this question. Is it possible for someone to think that they are using God's power, but to actually be using the devil's power? Is that possible? Let's go back to Matthew 7. You have your marker in Matthew 7. We're going to read probably the most shocking thing Jesus ever said. Matthew 7, we'll read verses 20 through 23. Matthew 7, beginning with verse 20. Jesus says, Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. And by the way, one of the fruits of a true Christian is obedience to God. Verse 21, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord. Now, so these would be Christians because they're talking to Jesus. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. We're going to come back in a moment and we'll find out what God's will is. Verse 22 says, many will say to me in that day. Would these be Christians then? They're talking to Jesus. Many will say to me in that day. Now question, many, is that the minority or is that the majority? That's the majority. Jesus says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied 
in thy name. Whose name? They prophesied in Jesus' name. I remember one time I was doing meetings years ago in the former Soviet Union. And we, were, we had a meeting in one city. We had a large group coming. And there was a faith, very famous faith healer that was using the same hall that we were using. We had two nights off. And this was a lady faith healer. And she was using the same hall on the nights that we had off. We had big crowds and she had bigger crowds. And during the day, she rented a, a, one of the rooms there in the hall, and people would line up. They had these long lines, and sh they would come and visit the faith healer and pay her for healings or whatever. Well, anyway, one night after I had preached my message, I walked off the stage, and I went to the little room that they'd given me where I would store some of my material. I walked in the room, and here was this faith healer in my room with her business manager. I guess she wanted to meet the American. So I, we introduced each, to each other. And then she asked me the question. She says, she says, I want to know what you think of my power. And I said, well, I don't consider myself a judge of other people's powers. I said, I can ask you some questions. She said, go ahead. I said, uh, do you believe in the Bible? She said, oh, yes, I believe in the Bible. I said, fine. I said, do you believe in Jesus? She said, of course. She says, I'm a Christian. She said, all of my miracles I do in Jesus' name. All of my healings I do in Jesus' name. Everything I do, I do in Jesus' name. I said, fine. Now, to this day, I don't know why I asked the next question, but it came to me, so I asked it. I said, do you believe in the devil? She said, no. There is no, there is no such thing as a devil. Well, I knew right away if she didn't believe there was a devil, she didn't believe what book. <laughs> the Bible, and I had heard some of the things that she had been doing in her healing sessions, and it didn't sound very Christian at all. It sounded more like the witch doctor. But she was doing everything in whose name? In Jesus' name. And so Jesus says, they're going to come to Many are going to say to me on that day, Lord, we prophesied in thy name. We spoke in tongues in thy name. We healed people. They did it all in whose name? In Jesus' name. And reading on, he says, in thy name, they're going to say to me, in thy name have cast out devils. That takes power, right? Cast out devils. You can't cast out devils with your own power. You have to have supernatural power to cast out devils. I was doing a, another seminar in another city in the same country. This was Ukraine. And I remember one night a man came to me and told me an amazing story. He said he had been going to this church where they practiced deliverance. They were delivering people from demons, and they spoke in tongues, and they healed people, all sorts of supernatural things. And he'd been attending this church, and they informed him that he had some demons that they needed to cast out of him. He didn't know he had those demons, but they said, yeah, he needed to be delivered. So he said he finally agreed to allow them to pray over him so that he could be delivered. He said they took me back to a back room in the church there, and he said they, a group of them, they gathered around me, they put their hands on me, they began to pray that God would deliver him from these demons. That didn't know he had. And he said, they, I never knew I had so many demons in me. He said, the, each, he, the demons as they would go out sound like a gunshot. And he said, there were so many demons that went out of me, it sounded like a machine gun going off. He said, all these demons that went out of me. And then he said, this great fire went out of me. I don't know if that was, if that was the biggest devil or what. But he said, this great fire went out of, me, out of me. And he said, I was delivered from the devil. And he said, those Christians, they continued praying over me. And he said, the holy anointing came down upon me. The Holy Spirit came. He got so excited telling me the story. He started speaking in tongues right there. My translator, he turns to me and says, I can't translate that. I don't know what he's saying. When that man began speaking in tongues, I'll tell you, the hair on the back of my neck stood up. 
because the voice that came out of his mouth as he was speaking in tongues was the exact same voice I have heard twice in my life when I met people that were demon-possessed. Same identical voice. Well, that man, he finally calmed down, came out of it. He said, oh, pastor, I feel I must test you. He said, do you have the Holy Spirit? I said, yes, I believe I do. He said, do you speak in tongues? I said, no, I have to have a translator. He said, oh, then you don't have the Holy Spirit. I said, well, wait a minute. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is given to those who obey God. The Bible tells us in John 13, the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. The Bible tells us in Psalms 119, 142, that God's law is the truth. And I had just got through preaching just a night or two earlier about the Sabbath. I said, brother, let me ask you a question. Do you keep the Sabbath? He said, the Holy Spirit told me I don't need to keep the Sabbath. He was irritated. <laughs> I began to realize the kind of spirit that was within him. He had a spirit, all right, but it wasn't the Holy Spirit. Now, don't miss this. That man had gone to a church, not a seance. He had gone to a church and thought that he had been delivered from the devil. But instead, he had gone to a church and he had become demon-possessed. People say, oh, well, the devil wouldn't cast out the devil. No, he doesn't. That man hadn't been delivered. He just had some Christian devils come in, which you could call them Christian devils. <laughs> he claimed to be a Christian. He was in the church, professed church, but he had demons within him. And they, I heard them speaking out of his lips. And the fact that he refused to obey God and keep the Sabbath was an indication that he had the wrong spirit. And that's why Jesus says, Many are going to say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils. Whose name? Jesus' name, and in thy name have done many wonderful works. Notice verse 23. This is shocking. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. If Jesus never knew them, whose power are they using all that time? That is frightening. Many, Jesus says, not, not a few, many are using the devil's power. He's going to say, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. There is an awful lot going on within the Christian world today that's not from God. There's a power at work, yes, but it's not God's power. It's the power of the wolf. How can we know whether it's from God or the devil? We'll go back to verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of God, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. What is God's will? Psalms 40 verse 8 says, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is where? Is within my heart. God's will is that we obey him and keep his commandments. That's why Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so we must test every faith healer, every visionary, every person that claims to have the power of God, the Spirit of God. We must test them by what? By the Bible. And I might mention right here, if you have gotten involved in some of the things we've been talking about, speaking in tongues or working miracles, some of these other supernatural phenomena, pray God for deliverance. Because the devil does not let go easily. But the power of God is greater than the power of the devil if you will surrender fully to him. The Bible tells us to the law, Ten Commandments, and the testimony, rest of Scripture, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. So they would have then the spirit of the wolf. 
Well, with that background, let's go back to our story of Fatima. But let me first ask you this question. Is Mary, the Virgin Mary, is she in heaven or in the grave? Uh, it depends on who you ask. If you ask the Church of Rome, here's the answer. This is from the book, The Thunder of Justice, page 44, written by Ted and Maureen Flynn, <clears throat> Roman Catholics. Quote, Mary was assumed into heaven. Because of her sinlessness, her body did not have to undergo corruption in the grave. The church has always held the truth about Mary's assumption, and in 1950, it was formally declared to be part of the Catholic dogma by Pope Pius XII, end of quote. Notice that it took almost 2,000 years to get that dogma even into the Catholic Church. 1950 was when they finally agreed to make that part of the dogma. But question, where do you find the evidence from, for that in the Bible? The evidence that Mary went to heaven in body form or soul form or any form. According to the Bible, where do the dead go? They go into the grave. So when Mary died, now don't misunderstand me, I'm not speaking against Mary. Mary was a great saint, one of the greatest saints if there ever was a saint. But Mary is not in heaven, biblically. She's resting in the tomb, waiting for the resurrection, like all the other great saints. She'll come forth in the resurrection. Well, let's come back to our story, though. The story of Fatima. Where did we leave off? It was July, I think, July 13, 1917. The promise that there would be a miracle on October 13, and the secret, the Fatima secret, was given. You want to know what that secret is, buy that CD on the Seven Kings. Also in July 13, 1917, she gave a vision. The shining being that claims to be Mary gave a vision to Lucia Santos. The Virgin Mary, or the shining being that claims to be the Virgin Mary, to Lucia Santos in a vision at Fatima on July 13, 1917, said this, quote, You have seen hell where the souls of poor sinners go. To save them, God wants to establish devotion to my immaculate heart throughout the world. End of quote. Does that line up with the Bible? Not at all. Well, you can imagine, that was July 1917. 5,000 people had been there. This was even reported in the secular newspaper, spread like wildfire through the area. So the next month now, August 13, remember every month, 13th day, first May 13, then June 13, now, then July 13, now August 13, 15,000 people went out to the COVID era to see the shining woman. This time they saw a globe of light cross the heavens from the east and settle over the oak tree. The next month, enthusiasm was running so high, 30,000 people went out to the Covadira. Again, they saw that globe of light cross the heavens from the east, settle over the oak tree, but this time they also saw shining petals like snowflakes falling through the air. And again, the shining woman promised that the next month she was going to work a miracle whereby all might see and believe. The rain was coming down in torrents on the morning of October 13, 1917. Yet in spite of the rain, upwards of 75,000 people went out to the Covadira to see the miracle, and they were not disappointed. After waiting in the rain for some time, they, all, they got drenched. Suddenly, the clouds parted a bit, and through the opening in the clouds came the shining woman. She conversed briefly with the children. And then she stretched out her hands toward the sun. And as the people looked toward the sun, they actually could look right at the sun without hurting their eyes. The sun paled. It turned into a silver disk in the sky. And then rays of light began beaming out of the sun in all directions, in all colors, yellow, blue, red, green. 
And as the people watched, the sun began to turn on its axis like a wheel. And then it began dancing back and forth in the sky, jumping around. And then as they watched, it appeared that the sun broke loose from its place and began to fall toward the earth. It got bigger. It got hotter. And the people thought that the sun was going to collide with the earth. Now, if you think this sounds crazy, remember, about 75,000 people saw this event. This is actually one of, a photograph, one of the photographs of the crowd there watching this miracle. The miracle of Fatima is a well-documented fact. You cannot deny it. Well, they, the people, of course, the people, they began to pray. They prayed to Mary, of course, that she would save them. And apparently, in answer to their prayers, suddenly the miracle ended. The shining lady disappeared. The sun went back to its place in the sky. The rain stopped. The clouds went away. And the people discovered that their clothes that had been soaked to the skin a moment before, their clothes were completely dry. And the ground where the water had been standing four inches deep in some places because of the rain, the ground was also totally dry. An undeniable miracle. But the question is, who did it? Well, to answer that, let's consider some of the doctrines of Fatima and other Marian apparitions. One of them is prayer and sacrifices for the dead. Here's a statement from, again, that shining being that claims to be the Virgin Mary. In an apparition, this is in the book Thunder of Justice, page 182, which says, quote, Pray a great deal and make sacrifices for sinners. For many souls go to hell for not having someone to pray and make sacrifices for them. End of quote. Question, who made the sacrifice for sin? Jesus did. But the shining woman at Fatima is asking people to pay for the sacrifice of sin. Was Christ's sacrifice good enough? Oh, yes but not according to that shining being that claims to be the Virgin Mary. Another doctrine of Fatima and other Marian apparitions, number two, prayer for souls in purgatory. Here's another statement. This is from, again, that shining being that claims to be Mary. Quote, pray for the souls in purgatory, end of quote. Where do you find the Bible evidence for purgatory? You don't. Purgatory is purely a fabrication of the father of lies, the devil. You don't find purgatory taught in the Bible. Another doctrine of Fatima and other Marian apparitions is communication with the dead. Here again from that same book, The Thunder of Justice, page 166 and 7, we read, quote, A few days after Father Lewis's death, the Blessed Virgin told us that we were going to talk to him. At 8 or 9 o'clock in the evening, the Blessed Virgin appeared to us, smiling very, very much as usual. She said to the four of us, Father Lewis will come now and speak with you. And of course, he had died. So she's telling them that he's going to come back and speak with them. A moment later, he came and called us one by one. We didn't see him at all, but only heard his voice. It was exactly like the one he had on earth. When he had spoken for a while, giving us advice. Wouldn't you like to have that advice? The advice of the spirits. When he had spoken for a while, giving us advice, he told us certain things for his brother, Father Ramon Maria Andrew. Now, here we have the dead brother giving advice for the living brother. Reading on, Father Ramon, that was the living brother, Father Ramon was told precise details of his brother's funeral and details of his personal life that were unknown to anyone but himself, end of quote. Himself and who else? The devil and God, of course. The Bible tells us to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, then 
There's no light in them. Is, is this statement that we read from Thunder of Justice, is it in harmony with the Bible? Not at all. So you know that it's not coming from God. Here is a statement from the book, The Cult of the Virgin, Catholic Mariology and the Apparitions of Mary, page 132 and 3, written by Elliot Miller and Kenneth R. Samples. Quote, Another troubling aspect of Medjugorje, now you understand Medjugorje, that's that town over in Yugoslavia where the young people are receiving visions and apparitions of Mary. Another troubling aspect of Medjugorje is that some of the visionaries have seen, talked to, and even touched people who have died. Continuing, in Ivanka's case, she embraced and kissed her dead mother on several occasions. During an interview, Ivanka described these encounters with her mother. I've seen my mother three times since she died. My favorite time was the last time she was with the Blessed Mother. That's, of course, the Virgin Mary. My mother came over to me. She put her arms around me and kissed me. She said, oh, Ivanka, I am so proud of you. End of quote. Now, question. Who hugged Ivanka? We'll come back to that in a moment. Reading on, it says, this sounds very similar to the occultic practice of necromancy that's talking to the dead, a practice that the Bible explicitly condemns. Deuteronomy 18, 10 through 12, Isaiah 8, verse 19, 1 Chronicles 10, 13 and 14. The Bible tells us, Job 7, verse 10, he shall return no more to his house. Job 16, 22 says, I shall go the way whence I shall not return. And then Ecclesiastes 9, 5, For the living know they shall die, but the, the dead know not anything. So based on the Bible, we can answer the question, Who hugged Ivanka? Here's the answer. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles. That was a demon masquerading as her mother who hugged Ivanka. By the way, can demons masquerade as our departed loved ones? Can they make themselves look exactly like them? Do they know all the secrets that we may have shared with that loved one? Oh, yes. That's why we have to make the Bible our guide. And there's somebody else that is... Well, let me back up and read this. This is from Revelation 18, 23. says, For by thy, that's Babylon's, sorceries were all nations deceived. What's sorcery? Sorcery is the pretended communication with the spirits of the dead. And we already have established that there's somebody else that's communicating with the dead, and that's Benny Hinn. He says, quote, Miss Coleman, a deceased or a dead faith healer and spiritist, said, follow me. That's all she said. And I followed her. Benny Hinn is following the spirit of the dead. You know who he's following then. That's why you don't want to follow him. To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word then... There's no light in them. Then they have the spirit of the wolf. Isaiah 8.20. Coming back to our book, The Cult of the Virgin, Catholic Mariology and the Apparitions of Mary. Page 129, we read this, quote, Because of the unbiblical nature of Marian apparitions, if the cause is supernatural in origin, then we can only be dealing with the demonic, not with God. I realize that this line of reasoning will be offensive to many Catholics. Nonetheless, I believe it is a necessary theological inference, end of quote, and I would agree with their conclusion. The Bible tells us Babylon has become the habitation of devils. By the way, what is Babylon? 
Babylon is confusion, yes, but Babylon is the mother church and all of her daughters, all these commandment-breaking churches. And that's why I mentioned it's amazing to me that this spirit that's being poured out today is being poured out on the commandment-breaking churches of the world. That's what the Bible calls Babylon. And Babylon is being inhabited by demons. Can you see why God calls his people to come out of Babylon? Revelation 18 verse 4 says, Come out of her, that's Babylon, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, and that you receive not of her plagues. Can you see why God calls people to come out of Babylon? God does not want his people to be associating where demons are at work. And so he calls his people to come out of Babylon. Well, let me mark down a couple more doctrines of Fatima and other Marian apparitions. Here's another one. The shining being that claims to be Mary says that Rome is the true church. The Bible tells us that Rome is the beast of Revelation 13, the one that, with the mark. She is the whore of Revelation 17. A woman represents a, a church. This woman is not faithful. She's pictured as a whore or a harlot. And the Bible tells us that this woman, this church, sits on seven hills. Revelation 17, verse 9. A church that sits on seven hills. Pretty obvious, right? Mary says that that's the true church. Well, the shining being that claims to be Mary. Another doctrine of Fatima and other Marian apparitions. The shining being that claims to be Mary says that the Sabbath has been changed to Sunday. Well, you can see why. The Bible tells us, Hebrews 4, verse 9, there remaineth therefore a rest, margin says keeping of Sabbath, to the people of God. The Sabbath remains. Jesus did not change it. None of the apostles changed it. God did not change it. Who claims to have changed it? Church of Rome. They claim we changed it. You can see why that shining being that would, would claim to say that the Sabbath's been changed to Sunday. So now we can answer the question, who is behind the apparitions and miracles of Mary? Not God, not Mary. Here's the answer. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles. Revelation 16, 14. I want you to turn in your Bible to a very interesting scripture. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14. We're going to see this perhaps in a way that you may have never noticed before. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into what? Into an angel of light. The devil has always wanted to be worshipped. He knows he would never get anybody to worship. Well, not too many. He might get some, some skinheads or some Wiccans to worship him if he appears as a, a devil with a red suit and pitchfork and tail and breathes fire. He might get a few people to worship that, but not the whole world. The devil wants the whole world to worship him. He knows he'll never get the whole world to worship him as a devil. But if he were to appear as a shining woman, a woman revered by most of the world's religions today, over a billion Roman Catholics venerate Mary, most of them. The Orthodox Church with its millions venerate Mary, worship her. Um... Hindus worship Mary as one of their many gods. The Muslims venerate Mary as the mother of the prophet Jesus. Protestants now are beginning to venerate Mary. Here's a few uh, headlines to show that. Christianity Today, a Protestant publication. The Blessed Evangelical Mary. 
Time Magazine had an article, Hail Mary, how Protestants are finding ways to venerate Mary. And then there's a book, The Real Mary. Um, I'm not sure I can read the small print there, but anyway. On Protestants, venerating now Mary. By the way, the movie some time ago now, the Passion movie, movie probably did more than anything to exalt Mary in the eyes of Protestants. So more and more Protestants now are venerating Mary. The devil knows that if he were to present himself as a shining woman, he could get almost the whole world to worship him. Mark this. The shining woman that's appearing in many parts of the world today claiming to be the Virgin Mary is none other than the angel of light of 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. That's who it is. And this shining being has said that if necessary, she will appear in every home to convince people that she exists and that they ought to worship her. Are you ready for that kind of deception? Deception so powerful as to deceive almost the very elect, we must be ready to meet that with God's word. The dead know not anything. We must test everything by the Bible. In Eden, Eve was talking with the devil and didn't know it. And you can recognize today that there are multitudes of Christians that are talking with demons. When they talk with departed loved ones or when they talk with these departed saints, these dead saints, talking with demons and do not realize it. That's why we must make the Bible our guide. What's the Bible say? Let's read it all together. To the law and to the testimony... If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Isaiah 8, verse 14, or verse 20. And here's another text, John 8, verse 32. Jesus assures us, you shall know what? The truth, and the truth will what? The truth shall make you free. You don't have to fear the devil's delusions as long as you're following the truth. What's it say in 1 John 4, 4? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You don't have to fear the devil as long as your life is full of Jesus. As long as you're obedient to Jesus. What does Jesus say if you love me? Keep my commandments. You know what he says right after that? Let's read it. John 14, 5, 15 through 17. If you love me, keep my commandments. And, here's the result. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. That's what I want, don't you? The Spirit of truth. There's a Spirit that's being poured out in most of these commandment-breaking churches today, but it's not the Spirit of truth. You can have the Spirit of truth, but notice the condition. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And then as a result of that, I'm going to pray the Father, he's going to give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, and that is the spirit of truth. Revelation twenty two fourteen says, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city. You don't earn salvation, but if you're not willing to obey God, you will not be saved either. Obedience is what? The result, the fruit of salvation by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. I want to base my faith on the Bible, don't you? Would you like to ask Jesus today to help you base your faith only upon this book, the Bible? Let me see your hand if that's your desire. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio 
and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.